Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. C-13 Originals. The Soviet Union was an empire built on lies. No one knew anything because everything was falsified. The Kremlin falsified the past. It falsified the present. And it falsified the future. It had two newspapers of record. Pravda, or Truth, the official newspaper of the Communist Party. And Izvestia, or News, the official newspaper of the Soviet government. And the bitter joke that Russians told one another was this. In Pravda, there is no news, and in Investia, there is no truth. Beyond the confines of the Iron Curtain, the Kremlin's intelligence service, the KGB, sought to change the course of history in the name of Soviet communism. It tried to subvert foreign governments, weaken their alliances, undermine their political institutions whenever possible. Its most powerful weapon was disinformation. For 15 long years, the chief of the KGB was Yuri Andropov. He would become the Soviet leader in 1982. His officers recruited, trained, and promoted a young man named Vladimir Putin. If you've never heard of Andropov, you're still familiar with his greatest KGB hits. The CIA killed JFK. The U.S. Army invented AIDS. Millions of Americans believed, repeated, and perpetuated those lies. The KGB reveled as it rubbed salt in our nation's self-inflicted wounds. Putin rose to power in 1999 as the most successful graduate of the Andropov Academy of Lies. And today, he has allies in America who have been parroting his talking points in Congress, on Fox News, and at Mar-a-Lago. The Democrats are now the people supporting actual real neo-Nazis in Ukraine. You can't even think Why do I care what's going on in the conflict between Ukraine and Russia? And I'm serious. Like, why do I care? And why shouldn't I root for Russia, which I am? Remember that Zelensky is a thug. Remember the Ukrainian government is incredibly corrupt and it is incredibly evil and it has been pushing woke ideologies. Putin ain't woke. He is anti-woke. And he's going to go in and be a peacekeeper. That's the strongest peace force. We could use that on our southern border. The Russian leader is a past master of political warfare. He helped elect Donald Trump. And as Trump plotted a return to the White House, he remained locked in a passionate political embrace with Putin. Those two men have one thing in common. They both have created 
their own empire of lies. I'm Tim Weiner, and this is Whirlwind, America, Russia, and Ukraine, Part 2. The barrage of lies coming out of Putin's Russia is breathtaking. He would have the world believe that the Ukrainians are staging the unspeakable massacres committed by Russian troops, that they're blowing up their own hospitals and schools, killing and raping their own people. It's a blitzkrieg of falsehoods that might seem mysterious to Americans had we not had a president who lies for fun and profit. Still, it begs the question, how can Putin lie like that and convince Russians that he's telling the truth? Winston Churchill once said, Russia is a riddle wrapped in a mystery inside an enigma. Chris Bort has spent 40 years trying to solve that riddle. He was the National Intelligence Officer for Russia and Eurasia from 2017 to 2021, the chief Kremlinologist for the American intelligence community. And as he's now on a fellowship at the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace, he speaks for himself, not the U.S. government. Chris knows a word that explains how Putin lies and why. And that word is vranyo. Vranyo is just a good Russian word for lie, nonsense, BS. The sort of brash, cynical, self-evident untruths that a listener isn't really expected to believe, but can't or do anything about and, and just accepts. So in Russia, People lie for the same reason people lie anywhere, to avoid responsibility, to shift blame, to gain advantage. But Vranyo is something unique and powerful in the hands of Russian leaders or any Russian boss. You use Vranyo to project brazenness. You're using it to project a sort of sense of untouchability to your audiences both at home and abroad. And It's really a way of enhancing your powers of intimidation and and demonstrating that you set your own rules. That's really what Vranyo is. What sets this era of Russian lying off from the Soviet era is that the Soviets at a certain level did want foreigners to believe their lies, and they had a ready audience around the world. Putin, however, he doesn't really care if you believe him or not. And this is Again, characteristic of the Vranyo idea. Sometimes he knows that you know he's lying, and there's an implicit threat in the fact that he knows that you know he's lying. It's, I compare it to like a protection racketeer who says, you know, nice little business you got here. It'd be a shame if something was to happen to it. There's a hidden threat insisting on stuff that people don't believe, insisting on falsehoods enhances his his and his regime's powers of intimidation. And again, it shows that Putin sets his own rules. As Maya Angelou once said, when people show you who they are, believe them. When we come back, we'll hear about how Putin's lies are amplified in Russia and weaponized in America. Selling a little... 
or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. I'm Lauren Sherman, the writer behind Puck's fashion and beauty memo line sheet. And I'd like to welcome you to my new show, Fashion People. On every episode of Fashion People, I'll be talking to insiders about the stuff we're all whispering between the press releases. From M&A rumors to celebrity stylist dish to the future of legacy media. Be sure to follow and listen to Fashion People, a presentation of Odyssey in partnership with Puck. Available on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Vladimir Putin's lies about the war in Ukraine are broadcast nightly by the Kremlin-controlled media in Moscow. Their talking heads call the Ukrainians warmongers and Nazis. Fox News, in particular its most popular host, Tucker Carlson, amplifies the Kremlin's lies. And then, the next day, Carlson's lies are rebroadcast by the Russian state media. Does Ukraine have biological weapons? Uh, Ukraine has biological research facilities. What? You mean secret biolabs? Like the secret biolabs Ukraine definitely doesn't have? Ukraine has those? Yes, it does. Why in the world would the United States intentionally seek war with Russia? How could we possibly benefit from that war? We still don't know the answer to that question. But it is obvious that permanent Washington has been fixated on war with Russia for a very long time. It's a continuous feedback loop of falsehood, a cynical and dangerous game. Julia Davis, our next guest, performs a unique public service by watching Russian media so you don't have to. And she's working as a one-woman truth squad. Julia was born and raised in Kyiv, the capital of Ukraine, when it was still part of the Soviet Union. She's the best interpreter of Russian propaganda in America. You can follow her at Julia Davis News. Julia, does anyone know how Putin gets his news? Putin is rumored not to use the internet or have a cell phone. So that would mean he probably relies exclusively on briefings from his trusted circle of advisors and the Russian state media. He is increasingly more secluded and 
avoids contact and basically is said to spend most of his time in some type of a bunker. So I believe that he watches a lot of Russian state television that, by the way, has been actively promoting themes that he's used to attempt to justify his invasion of Ukraine, like the claims of Nazis, genocide, you name it. It's basically a mirror image. It probably goes both ways, though. They also receive written talking points about the themes that they're supposed to talk about, about the narratives they're supposed to promote. So I'm sure that there is movement in both directions. Julia, what you're describing is fascinating. What you're saying is that Putin has created a closed feedback loop in which he only hears what he wants to hear, reinforcing his preconceptions and getting nothing to contradict them, and his state media faithfully report that back to him. Exactly correct. So what are some of the most interesting or maddening or just plain weird things that you've seen on Russian television over the past month? It is so grotesque the way they're covering this war. It's truly Orwellian when the whole world knows that they invaded Ukraine and yet their state TV says, no, we didn't invade Ukraine. Even their foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov, had the audacity to say we didn't attack Ukraine. And the way they portray it is that there was already this war going on in Donbass in eastern Ukraine, which, by the way, they also caused and started. There was no war until Russian troops covertly slipped in there. They're trying to claim that they only went in to stop this war of their own creation. They are portraying the Russian troops as liberators that they claim that the Ukrainians are very afraid that they will suddenly stop their operation and leave because they want them there. It's basically totally upside down, just unfathomable. They also continually claim anytime that there are civilian casualties, they claim that it is Ukrainians that are bombing themselves that it's Ukrainians that are blowing up themselves and their own civilians to pin the blame on Russia, which is, of course, beyond ludicrous. But there again, they're used to that. This is what Putin's regime has trained them to do. And it, it is frightening spectacle. Do you see any parallels between what some American cable TV figures are doing and what the Russian state media are doing? Yes, there are unfortunately some parallels, specifically on Fox News. Tucker Carlson's show has been stepping right alongside the Russian state media, and it's inexplicable. He has been admittedly seeking out an interview with Putin through unnamed Kremlin intermediaries. He is parroting Russian talking points to such an extent that one of the hosts of Russian state television, the host of 60 Minutes, Evgeny Popov, described him as practically one of their co-hosts. Another host, Vladimir Solovyov, pondered out loud whether Tucker Carlson will eventually be arrested as a Russian agent. And they all jointly expressed concern that 
Tucker Carlson as being too obviously pro-Russian and that he will eventually be silenced or marginalized because it's just too obvious that he's repeating their talking points. Julia, if the truth about Putin's conduct of the war and the corruption of his regime reaches the Russian people, would it pose a threat to his power? If the total truth about Putin's regime, about the money stolen from the Russian people that he used for himself and his circle of oligarchs, if all of that was to be made clear to all Russians, they would be disgusted and they would carry him out of the Kremlin. That is his biggest fear. When I was younger, there was a very popular Russian emigre comedian who called himself Yakov Smirnov. Do you remember him? Yes, I do. He perfected a kind of humor which he called the Russian reversal. In America, you listen to radio. In Soviet Russia, radio listens to you. (laughs) It's funny. I mean, you are an expert in state-run media in Russia. There were times in the Trump administration where I thought we had a media-run state. Yes, sadly so, where it turned out that Trump was taking advice from Sean Hannity's of this world. And that also shows an imminent danger should we have another administration like the former Trump administration, even if it's Trump himself. Will he rely on someone like Tucker Carlson for his foreign policy recommendations, in which case we might as well just be receiving directives from Russia's foreign ministry? When Vladimir Putin led a covert operation to elect Donald Trump in 2016, he had American allies. One was Steve Bannon, Trump's campaign manager and chief ideologue, later indicted for fraud. Another was retired General Mike Flynn, Trump's first national security advisor, now a QAnon raver who pleaded guilty to lying to the FBI. Trump pardoned both men in his last hours in office. Now, Bannon says, Ukraine's not even a country. It's kind of a concept. It's not even a country. So when we talk about sovereignty... Ukraine's not even a country, which is exactly what Putin claims. Flynn says, quote, Ukraine's independence is not vital to the United States. Trump's Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, speaks of his, quote, great respect for Putin. He's a very talented statesman, Pompeo says. He knows how to use power. We should respect that. And Trump has praised Putin at every possible opportunity for the past decade. As president, he repeatedly kowtowed to the Russian leader. What's the secret of their love for Putin? Trump and his acolytes admire his autocracy. After all, they led and supported an attempt to overturn a free and fair election in an attack on the United States Constitution in the insurrection at the Capitol. And that battle isn't over, not by a long shot. Just the other day, Trump recorded a video asking Putin to release political dirt he might have on President Biden to undermine the American government because of America's support for Ukraine. Why did the mayor of Moscow's wife give the Bidens, both of them, three and a half million dollars? for That's a lot of money. I would think Putin would know the answer to that. I think he should release it. And a few hours later, the Russian television host Evgeny Popov, who is a member of the Russian parliament, 
called for Americans to, quote, change the regime in the United States and, quote, to again help our partner Trump to become president. The Russian talking heads pray for Trump's re-election. He is, after all, as they say, Putin's partner. David Korn has been reporting and writing about this strange alliance for six years. He's the Washington editor of Mother Jones magazine and the co-author of Russian Roulette, the inside story of Putin's war on America and the election of Donald Trump. David, outside of Trump's immediate inner circle, who are some of the other American politicians who have been mouthing Kremlin talking points? A great example of this happened during the first Trump impeachment. You will remember that the issue at hand was whether Donald Trump had leaned on President Zelensky of Ukraine to produce dirt on Joe Biden and to prove this crazy Ukrainian conspiracy theory that somehow Ukraine had attacked the 2016 election to help Hillary Clinton, not that Russia had done so to boost Donald Trump. During those hearings for that impeachment, you had a number of Republican congressmen, Jim Jordan, John Ratcliffe, Devin Nunes, and Mark Meadows, who went on to become Trump's White House chief of staff, all echo and amplify Russian disinformation that Ukraine, not Russia, had attacked the 2016 campaign. They did it again and again to sort of deflect from the main point at hand, which was Trump abusing his power and trying to produce disinformation. It happened. It was kind of stunning. I was in the room when it happened just to see them mouthing a crazy conspiracy theory that had started with a Russian intelligence officer and then gone through all sorts of various permutations through crazy conspiracy theory websites. And there was no proof of this. In fact, it became such a prominent part of the hearings that Fiona Hill, who was the former White House Russia expert who was testifying, tried to shut it down. And she said something, you know, she addressed the committee. Some of you on this committee appear to believe that Russia and its security services did not conduct a campaign against our country and that perhaps, somehow, for some reason, Ukraine did. This is a fictional narrative that has been perpetrated and propagated by the Russian security services themselves. Now, I would ask that you please not promote politically driven falsehoods that so clearly advance Russian interests. I mean, think about this. Here was a former National Security Council Russia expert telling members of Congress, you are right now pushing and advancing Russian disinformation. None of them stopped. None of them apologized. It had no impact whatsoever. I thought it was one of the main dramatic moments of the hearing, but it kind of went by very quickly. Unless we forget, in order to extort President Zelensky into supporting this disinformation campaign, President Trump withheld from Ukraine Javelin anti-tank missiles the very weapons that they are using to defend themselves against the Russian attack. 
Indeed. It was like a mob boss action. Like, you want something from me? Well, I need a little something from you. I need you to, you know, give me some dirt on this guy. And it was crystal clear. And part of that favor was producing or manufacturing evidence to back up Russian disinformation. Now, let's look at a specific Russian disinformation campaign that has surfaced as justification of Russia's invasion. The story that Ukraine ran biological weapons programs aimed at Russia. This was a pretext for the attack. Where did that start and how did that story spread? Russians and others know this, is that you plant a seed somewhere and it ping-pongs across various places of the internet. Before the internet, it used to do this through small publications around the world. And it finally latches on someplace bigger and expands. And, you know, not everything works that way. You know, you cast out a lot of crap and sometimes it just settles down and no one pays attention to it. But this is a great instance of what a disinformationalist wants to see happen. It really kind of began with the Twitter account of a guy connected to the QAnon conspiracy movement who put out a map showing 30 bio labs in Ukraine. And he noted that these might be connected to a U.S. effort to bring COVID into China and Russia, and that the invasion of Ukraine was really being done for Russia to take down these labs where bioweapons were being made. Now, previously to this, there was a long-running allegation from Moscow that the U.S. was running secret bioweapons programs in Eastern Europe. This had been around for a couple of years. They had claimed that U.S. was doing biological experiments on soldiers in Ukraine and the country of Georgia. There was an American who was in Moscow on the lam from wiretapping and extortion charges in Florida who began tweeting out a similar theory saying that Washington was funding laboratories in Ukraine and it was very dangerous. And again, think of like a pinball in a pinball machine. It's bouncing around in different ways, different permutations. And then InfoWars, probably the most prominent conspiracy theory site in America, run by this blowhard named Alex Jones, puts a story up. The headline is, Russian strikes targeting U.S.-run biolabs in Ukraine. Question mark. So they're just asking the question, right? And all of a sudden, this starts spreading across QAnon conspiracy websites. And at the same time, the Russians now are amplifying kind of what they began by saying that they believe that the U.S. has been doing bioweapons research in Ukraine and has been trying to develop biological weapons to use against Russia, that it's been experimenting on soldiers, and that it's even trying to develop pathogens that birds and bats can carry from Ukraine into Russia. While this is going on, it sort of jumps the shark and lands where else but Fox News, where you have Tucker Carlson and one of his favorite guests, Glenn Greenwald, a journalist, kind of a journalist, more like a propagandist these days. And they start talking about the U.S. funding deadly pathogens and biological weapons in Ukraine. Last question. Maybe you don't know the answer, but why Ukraine? You know, of all the countries you would conduct this kind of research in, you would pick one with like a solid 
medical infrastructure. You'd pick Germany or Israel or someplace with, you know, first-class scientific research going on. You would not pick Ukraine. Why, why Ukraine? Unless you viewed Russia as your primary threat, unless you wanted to be provocative toward the Russians, unless you wanted to be in Ukraine developing all sorts of weapons as we clearly have been. We've been flooding that country with lethal arms for five or six years. So clearly there's an intention for the United States to be heavily involved in Ukraine. The Russians say their motive is to be threatening and provocative. The United States denies that, but they have their tentacles in Ukraine and have for many years all the time, which is a critical part of the narrative that has been lacking. Now, to be fair, there are biolabs in Ukraine. And the Defense Department does work with biolabs in Ukraine and around the world to make sure things are kept safe. These are labs left over from when Ukraine was part of the Soviet Union. But there's absolutely no evidence that these are biological weapons facilities. Big difference. It's like trying to say that a cancer research hospital is cancer. Exactly. And what is the interplay between Tucker Carlson? and the Kremlin's propagandists. We know that the Kremlin has encouraged Russian media to feature Tucker Carlson in their broadcasts, that they find him useful. And they've said, you know, in a, in a memo that we published in Mother Jones from the Kremlin that was in Russian that dictated all these guidances to the Russian media on what they should, how they should be covering the Ukraine war, one line was, featured Tucker Carlson as much as possible. So we know that the Kremlin views him as a tremendous asset. There are other memos have said the same thing. And in fact, just a few days ago, Sergei Lavrov, the foreign minister, went out publicly and praised Fox News as the only decent media in the United States. So they seem to be tremendously grateful for Tucker Carlson's efforts to put out disinformation. When we come back, we'll talk about the most dangerous source of disinformation in America today, the twice-impeached former president of the United States, who now appears to be on the comeback trail. So Putin is now saying it's independent, a large section of Ukraine. I said, how smart is that? And he's going to go in and be a peacekeeper. That's the strongest peace force. We could use that on our southern border. That's the strongest peace force I've ever seen. There were more army tanks than I've ever seen. They're going to keep peace all right. No, but think of it. Here's a guy who's very savvy. I know him very well. You heard that right. Putin's going to be a peacekeeper in Ukraine. I've got another one for you. A reputable national poll recently found that two-thirds of Republicans and Republican-leaning independents see Vladimir Putin as a better leader than President Biden. There's the Putin wing of the Republican Party. It's also the Trump wing. The political lies of autocrats have a strong grip on the American people. And that endangers our nation. Disinformation is political corruption. It can degrade or destroy the rule of law. As we'll learn in congressional hearings this spring, it came very close to overthrowing the law and the Constitution at the Capitol last year. And we'll learn how close 
Trump and his inner circle were to that conspiracy. In the past two episodes of Whirlwind, we've been talking about information and disinformation as weapons of war in Ukraine. But listen, if you're within the sound of my voice, that war is all around you. The war of democracy against autocracy. 200 years ago, President James Madison wrote in a letter to a friend, a popular government, by which he means government of the people. A popular government without popular information or the means of acquiring it is but a prologue to a farce or a tragedy, or perhaps both. Knowledge will forever govern ignorance, and a people who mean to be their own governors must arm themselves with the power which knowledge gives. The biggest weapon the autocrats have is the big lie. They want you to believe nothing but what they say. Our democracy depends on truths it has held to be self-evident. We believe that we created a government of laws, not men. Our elections are free and fair. No one is above the law, and the president is not a king. Trump and his political allies at home and abroad threaten to prove these ideals false. And if America's politics are founded on falsehoods, the weapons of political warfare will prevail, and a long darkness will descend on the last best hope of what once was known as the free world. Only a free people and a free press stand in the way of its falling. In the past two episodes of Whirlwind, we've been talking about intelligence and disinformation as weapons of war. We invite you to check out the first season of Whirlwind to hear how Russian and American spies have fought their invisible war, the intelligence war, for the past 75 years. And today, if you're within the sound of my voice, that war is all around you. It's the war of democracy against autocracy. This episode has been a presentation of C-13 Originals, a Cadence 13 studio. Executive produced by Chris Corcoran, Chief Content Officer and Founding Partner of Cadence 13. Written and narrated by me, Tim Weiner, and based in part on my latest book, The Folly and the Glory, America, Russia, and Political Warfare. Directed by Lloyd Lockridge of Cadence 13. Edited and produced by Andy Jaskowitz of Cadence 13. Research and production support by Ian Mont of Cadence 13. Cadence 13 is an Odyssey company. They said it couldn't be done. They say it bordered on impossible. When someone says I can't do something, I usually agree with them. <laughs> and now, against all odds, this completely mediocre comedy podcast has done the unthinkable. They got listeners. We got listeners. No way. Amazing. Now available on the Odyssey app or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm so happy we're at Odyssey now. Oh my God, they're amazing. The Commercial Break Podcast. You heard it here last.